0: Welcome to the Busy Fit podcast episode seven. In our previous episode, we covered why motivation is not the answer to improving your health. If you missed it, go check it out. Today, we have a special guest, Mark Christian. Mark is a former coworker of mine at the University of Pittsburgh, where we served on the swimming staff together. Mark is the founder of Intellisport Analytics. Later in the episode, we'll hear Mark's experience as a coach and how that led to him starting Intellisport Analytics. Today, Mark will interview myself and Aaron Duvall about how our Experience began with Mejoria, and our mission as a leader in the health and fitness industry. So, Mark, thanks for joining us.
1: My pleasure. It's great to be here.
0: Mark, I I bought new golf clubs. You'd be proud to know. Now They're not going to suddenly make me a better golfer, but (laughs) I'm trying.
1: (laughs) Well, just like, uh, you know, anything in life, it's one foot in front of the other. The last time I went golfing, I shot. First of all, I, I don't golf. Um, it's gonna be obvious when I go to my next sentence. I think I shot like a one thirty six and I broke my driver, so that was about two and a half years ago, and I haven't been back golfing since. but I'm
0: happy for you, Justin. Thanks, thanks. Mark has actually seen me break a driver, so mm-hmm. he's he's experienced those lovely moments,
1: yeah. I uh, don't have a good uh, track record of being around people with breaking clubs. When I was in college, um, someone broke a drive, or excuse me, a wedge right behind me, and uh, the wedge went flying over my head. And ever since then, I don't stand in front of people or to the side of people, uh, swinging a golf club. So I make sure I'm good, good and far behind someone before they swing.
0: That's not even a good idea, anyways. Because if you're in front of someone, like the odds of them hitting you with the actual with the golf ball. It's fairly yeah. high.
1: Pretty high. I wasn't that close. I mean, I was, you know, 50, 75 yards in front. So I felt pretty comfortable, but yeah, it wasn't, was still too close. I think
0: you and I have almost killed each other a couple of times on the golf course. So hopefully that doesn't happen anymore to us or anyone we play with.
1: I can't add too much to that. I'm the world's worst golfer. <laughs> Taking up any new sports recently, he's playing pickleball now. Now the my only uh, connection with pickleball right now is in our town. Um, there's a lot of complaints about pickleball because some of the courts are close to residential homes, and so there's a lot of complaints about the pickleball noise in the early mornings and late evenings. Um, I mean, I guess it's pretty pretty loud. The the clunking of the the ball. So, no, so like noise ordinances. So Time restrictions for for pickleball and i know this isn't just unique to cranberry i've read uh, i think an article in the times or wall street journal about the same thing so it's like a national problem All i know drew Brees is like one of the world's biggest pickleball enthusiasts and he's my favorite athlete of all time so if if drew Brees likes it i'm, I'm good for it
0: it's crazy how much it's like taking everything over my wife loves to play tennis And we went to the tennis courts one day to play tennis and we couldn't play because everyone was using the tennis courts for pickleball.
1: Oh, that's annoying. Good for them for doing something, you know, but also let us play tennis. Yeah. Way to do it. Find something that will will get you there, but yeah, let people play tennis too.
0: I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but pickleball, pickleball, the court is smaller. You're using a, Like a wiffle ball and a pallet that's, or pallet, paddle, paddle, that's not as hard. So you're not moving as much. Like it's not nearly as much activity, right?
1: I think the appeal to pickleball is that it is accessible to all ages. So mobility is not as much of a limiting factor as like tennis. You have to be running or pickleball. You can be pivoting and shuffling. Um, but I think that the rigor of it depends on your players and partners. So, um, I think it can be adjusted easily based off who you're playing with, which I think is the appeal. So it's more short, fast moves type. Right. I think I don't know if this is a great comparison, but when I first started coaching at the University of Delaware, um, i was really into badminton. And Every day over lunch, four to five courts were set up for competitive. like for that, You would see style in the Olympics and there was a pretty strong graduate student and faculty crew that would come in and play. And that's a pretty uh, aerobic game, but it's also quite technical to how you're placing the, the shuttlecock. And so I think to me, it's probably similar to pickleball where you're trying to figure out where you're placing the ball. Um, pretty Um not that tennis isn't that way but there's a pretty interesting technical component to it which I think is probably interesting and just like I never understood that about badminton I thought you are just hitting it back and forth but the touches are pretty important in um, how you're hitting it where you're hitting it so it's pretty interesting I'm going to go play pickleball in badminton now actually badminton was one of the best workouts I ever did quite hard I and mean, you're running a lot I believe it Aaron Justin, it's a real privilege to be able to interview and learn more. What um, well, I'm really curious to know about is, you know, what was the driving motivation behind starting Maloria training?
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a fairly long story behind it. And I'll tell kind of up to when Aaron and I started talking about it. So I actually owned like an online health company back when I was in college, uh, started it, I think my junior year, and did pretty well you know it took off fairly quickly uh then i started coaching college athletics and very quickly found out i could not keep running that type of business at least the way i was running it um but the main reason behind it starting up again was just my wife and i kind of talking you know day to day about just it's great being able to be in the competitive side of health and fitness and if you want to call it health and fitness like to me those are two completely separate things because not everything you're doing in a competitive setting is necessarily healthy long-term. But there's so much misinformation out there kind of around that side of things. And we're seeing it even more publicized today. You know, online health and fitness coaching is a booming industry that's growing daily. uh, And there's all kinds of different things out there. You know, there's pharmaceuticals, there's supplements, uh, and just all kinds of different things that you see put out that aren't necessarily productive or the best way to go about things and we just had that conversation daily and so uh, you know we knew really the last year I was at Pitt you know really thinking like we wanted to do something in that side of things and that led up to Aaron and I talking and I'll let Aaron kind of tell that side of the conversation
1: yeah I think it's kind of two worlds that blended together with the same general goal like Justin alluded to Uh, up until the point where we really kind of formalized the conversation about it. Um, I, you know, I didn't have the experience of doing anything online like Justin had prior to, but a lot of things I was noticing, and especially in the world of straight conditioning, you see it, there's, you know, so much just crap out there regarding health and fitness and anything that pertains to either area, but there's also so much good, information out there as well. But I think the the filter that general people or the general population has to figure out, like separating that substance from noise, uh, you know, not everybody really has that. So I wanted to get into something that helped basically take some of the knowledge that, you know, myself and uh, colleagues of mine had on the area of health and fitness. But make it more accessible to the general population. I think, you know, the the training that we have, uh, the experience that we have is, is really good. And of course, I'm going to be biased on that. But I think that the product that we're able to give, you know, these elite athletes is really great when we're talking about working with, you know, athletes at a division one power five school. But um, not everybody really has the access to that kind of information or that kind of filter to help separate that substance and noise of all the the good but all the crap that's out there as well. I think Justin talked Justin and I were talking on the pool deck one day and I kind of mentioned uh something about like, you know, I kind of thinking about like just very informally like, you know, doing something like some sort of like online coaching or uh, you know, some sort of avenue where I can, you know, train people that may not have access to people or You know, trainers that have uh, the certifications or the experience uh, that, you know, people at the the collegiate strength and conditioning level have, uh, but also help put out, you know, some good information and things along those lines. And that's when Justin had mentioned that he had kind of did something like that, uh, similar to before. And he was like, you know, I kind of want to get back into that as well. And I just remember, like, we both kind of looked at each other and we're like, wait, do do, do we want to do that together? and um it was just it was kind of this funny moment like wow both of again like we both had these uh general goals of like something that we had had in our minds and something we'd wanted to do um it just kind of came to fruition again rather informally at that point of just kind of a conversation on the pull deck where we're like no this is something like i think through the the experience or expertise that both of us have which in some ways, is similar, but in other ways, it's very different, like kind of putting our two minds together and creating something uh, that ended up being Mayoria, Uh, something that we really wanted to do. And um, yeah, it's crazy to think that just kind of a small conversation we had on the pool deck has led up until the point that we're at now, which is great. Well, you've clearly articulated, you know, the origin story here. And part of that was an assessment of the marketplace and how there's really great information and also other bad information so how are you trying to differentiate yourself in the marketplace and really elevate good information for your potential clients well
0: i think we do that a couple different ways i mean i think even before they're our client you know our goal is to put out information that's going to be beneficial um and you know one of the reasons we started even this podcast was to put out information we know is going to be reliable and trustworthy um but we can put out a ton of information on a daily basis. You know, we try to put out articles and research and kind of the base of knowledge that we have. But also, you know, when you think about it from actually the service that we provide, I like to think about it as, you know, you go to someone that has a background with, you know, specific diets, you know, whether it's like keto or Whole30 or something along those lines. And like, that's their wheelhouse. And they'll tell you like, hey, stick to this plan and this will work for you. Um, But when you go into the college athletic setting, You know, I have all these people with this vast knowledge and we know on paper, like the X's and O's of what makes sense. But, you know, when you apply that to a specific individual in a specific circumstance, um, you know, those X's and O's kind of need to be manipulated a little bit for what's best for that person. And so I like to think about as like our wheelhouse is putting, you know, basically building our wheelhouse to what's right for that person, uh, as opposed to saying like, yeah, you know, this is my area of expertise. This is the only thing I know how to do. And if you follow this one specific program or or process exactly, you're going to get X result. And instead of making someone, you know, kind of fit their life to a specific program, you know, we kind of reverse that model and say, okay, we're going to fit this process that we know is going to need to get this result to what actually goes into your lifestyle. So kind of just trying to flip the script on what that process looks like.
1: Are you able to share any examples about designing a process and meeting someone where they are to meet their goals i think one good example uh first one that comes to my mind at least like we have one client that comes to us and is talking to us and they actually he has a pretty decent like one athletic base but two knowledge base of uh, like you know general understanding of like what training should look like and you know how to not eat a sleep of oreos before bed every night so uh, the thing that he struggled with and where a lot of that i guess more maybe like kind of general information might not have helped too much to his particular circumstances he was doing the the job that he had when he came to us and i believe he still has uh is he's you know he will go offshore or work somewhere and be in an office or a small space where he has like like a 10 by 10 foot area with a jump rope and a resistance band. And that's all he has access to for like a week. But then he goes back home and he has access to whatever gym, whatever equipment he may need. And so manipulating what he has uh, available to him and not only like applicable to him or what his goals are, but being able to take, you know, kind of our the strategies that we may get, at uh, the level of problem solving that we see at the, the collegiate setting, where having to apply that again to someone like in a general population setting that is a little bit more abnormal. Like it's, I don't know if there's too much information out there on like, you know, how to build a workout plan when you alternate weeks having equipment and then not having equipment and no space and you can't run or do anything. So being able to kind of put our minds together, problem solve for that and create a solution for someone like that, I, I think is one good example. But, um, you know, going back to one of the operative words of, I think your first question there is like, what, how do we differentiate ourselves with that Uh or, you know, working with these clients and our you know, with the information that we're putting out and stuff and not trying to toot our own horns, but I, I think one of the, it's, not necessarily how we separate that good and bad information. It's because of the because we're lucky to have the the experience, the the knowledge, the coworkers, the camaraderie with not just Justin and I, but our whole staff as well. That um, you know we've worked with Olympians, world medalists, professional athletes, but also youth athletes, uh, geriatric athletes, and you know kind of that whole spectrum that we. We have that general knowledge, but we also have specific enough knowledge along that entire spectrum to be able to filtrate what is good information for those different, different populations. And when they come to us, again, maybe in a circumstance where they have a problem that we need to help the problem solve with and creating a workout plan that may be a little bit more adaptable, customizable to them and their circumstance that we have the team and the expertise that I think we're able to do that uh, better than most for sure.
0: Another person that, and I guess there's a lot of people in this similar, I guess, facet that we work with, uh, but people that, you know, for example, are in a medical setting and they're working, you know, three 12 hour shifts or they're, you know, working long days and then they're on call for the weekend and they get called in for the weekend and how, you know, they may not be able to fit in a meal for 12 hours and, you know, if you know anything about the nutrition side that makes things really difficult to get in what you need in a day and helping problem solve them and help them understand that process to still be able to reach their goals and still be able to improve from a nutritional standpoint and exercise standpoint. Uh, Aaron made a great reference on one of our previous podcasts about, uh, micro dosing, you know, and thinking about how we're going to fit in. Okay. We're just gonna do smaller bouts of activity throughout the week to kind of balance out, you know, those longer days and kind of doing some of the same things nutritionally, but you know, helping people look at their entire life and like those difficulties where someone in that same situation can say, yeah, like exercise and being healthy and having a quality, you know, nutrition plan isn't really for me. And helping them like realize that and breaking that mindset that it actually is possible. It's just putting together the best possible plan for you, given your specific circumstances.
1: I think having the the team and I don't like accountability is one of the first words that comes to mind. I think it's a little bit more than just that, but I think when you're investing in yourself as a client and saying like, I want someone to help me get to where I want to be. And you have that team of people working with you and checking in, giving you these plans, talking you through these plans, explaining the what and the why, like, I think, 99% of clients like they're going to be a lot more prone to stick to something like that when they know they have this team around them that is holding them accountable and working with them versus like, okay, I'm just going to Google 12 week couch to five K run program and go from there. And then it's like, they're their only self-checkpoint, uh, it doesn't encompass everything. It doesn't encompass like their lifestyle, their schedule, the nutrition, the recovery, uh the emergencies that happen and then, oh now I have to travel this week or do this or that. And uh you know, it doesn't take into account a lot of the things that I think that we have uh and want to be able to take into account for for our clients. So you've mapped out how you've worked with clients. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do with your clients, you know, what are some of the services that Mehoria provides um, and maybe provide a couple of different pathways for clients who maybe have different needs or, or goals. So when we first start,
0: you know, potentially working with someone, you know, the first thing we have to identify is what do they actually need help, you know, with something to improve their health? Uh, you know, the nice thing is with us having that extensive background, you know, a potential client isn't someone where, you know, they've been, Really fit. They've done a good job. They just need like, hey, give me these three day program or four day program. I'm gonna do it. I don't need any support. I don't need any accountability. You know, I know what to eat. Um, you know, no real specific goal. You know, things that we you know recognize when we're looking to work with a potential client is uh, if they have a hormonal imbalance, if they have metabolism issues, if they have previous injuries that they don't know how to recover from or get back to, you know, kind of a full uh, ability level, Uh, if they, you know, don't necessarily know how to fuel themselves properly, you know, they struggle with sleep, they struggle with stress, they, you know, they're too busy, or they have, you know, some problem there that they've been trying to solve. And they haven't really been able to work through that. That's when we know we can help. So when we know they have, you know, that specific problem, you know, that gives us a goal and we know a realistic time frame it takes to work through that problem. Uh, you know, we really like thinking about putting everything together. So, you know, the exercise side of things, lifestyle habits, uh, you know, any mindset shifts that have to take place, how do we balance things out nutritionally and get you on the right plan for you. And then once we actually solve whatever problem they actually need help with, we want to make sure we build time and consistency into that plan to where they can truly kind of graduate from working with us and be set up for the rest of their life. Um, You know, and so that can look very different per person. You know, I tell people like, if I say, you know, one thing to you, you know, it may inhibit a certain response from you, but if I say that exact same thing to someone else, it can inhibit a completely different response and the same thing's going to happen with, you know, how we're coaching that individual. So it has to be tailored and kind of built for that person. And also, you know, there's a big part of that process that's breaking down, you know, common uh, common misbeliefs, uh, you know, limiting beliefs and, and things that can kind of hold them back. And so we all show like we're the last coach they ever need because we're the ones that like solve that problem. And we're not asking them to, you know, saying, hey, you're going to have to do this same process or this diet forever, but we're going to build it into your life. So, you know, six months from now, when you're done working with us, you know what you have to do for the next five, 10 years versus a lot of the other programs when you hear like they get them on the hook. And like, yeah, you got to do this for, you know, the next 10 years and you're going to, you know, or you're not going to keep those results. And you hear it all the time with some of those plans where they're on it for whatever period of time, they stopped doing it because it was not sustainable and they just dropped back to where they were before. So it's just kind of building that plan specific to them. Yeah, just to go
1: off the, the last point Dustin had there, I think another priority for us is what I'll classify as that individual empowerment. We want our clients to have once they do finish their tinker with us, Uh, it's, you know, three, six months or a year um, developing something right now, right now that we're calling our continuity program. It's essentially just a course that, you know, if, if Mark, if you were working with us and you're our client and you're like, Oh, wow, I got the results I need. um, That's great. And then we don't want you to, Finish that period of time, and then three to six months later down the road, you're like, "Oh crap!" Like now I'm I'm back where I was beforehand. Uh, so again, empowering the individual, making sure that we're giving them the resources to understand like the what and the why behind both the training, the fueling, and the lifestyle uh, sides of things, so that again, once they are done uh, with us, that they can look and see and have these resources of like, "Hey." here's why uh you like or here's what like you know certain strength training would look like here's how you undulate the days throughout the week for how you make certain days high or certain days more recovery here's how you can build out you know a running program uh from you know whatever general fitness level you may have and uh you know tidbits of you know key points to make sure you're always keeping from uh, or keeping in your, your fueling habits as well. So, And just going back to that empowerment of making sure that they have the tools mm-hmm. necessary to kind of keep that train going uh, once they are done with us as well, too. It's important for mm-hmm. us. Well, I thought it could be interesting to walk through a use case live, and I was willing to use myself as the guinea pig here in the situation. So <clears throat> to bring you up to speed on my physical fitness, currently. Uh, I would say my aerobic work is going well. I try to swim two to three days a week, and we got a Peloton uh, in November, but we had a track bike for the last two years, so biking um, is part of my regimen uh, probably two days a week as well. So I would say in all, I'm doing five years at least of aerobic work, and what always falls off is uh, strength condition my strength side, and say core and flexibility and i've learned as i've got older, flexibility has become more important um so how would you work with me to integrate more strength work into my fitness it's a great question um it, kind of going off what you already said uh, first thing i would want to do is make sure like if you have a certain training structure and you have these how many hours or whatever types of sessions and in whatever frequency throughout the week you have devoted to that aerobic work. um If that's a couple swims, a couple bikes a week, and you're like, no, I like that. Like, this is what I'm doing. I want to keep that train rolling. Like, my goal, it sounds like you're saying, is like, I want to make sure that I'm not, that I can still do that, but not lose strength, not lose flexibility and whatever else. So, first step is just to get a really good understanding of kind of the stuff that you already rolled through of like, okay, well, what is your plan right now? Um, Get a good understanding mm-hmm. of that. How, like, what days look like. What to try to build out. Like, what a a consistent microcycle may look like for you. Um, and I think going from there, it's it's kind of like building a puzzle. Like, okay, well, we have based off of what you just said. Like, we've got all the corner pieces, the edge pieces in line, and we know what the picture is going to be of the puzzle. Um, That being, again, like getting a little bit stronger, at least maintaining strength, adding that flexibility um, without having a little bit, I guess, more specific uh, details of like what the swims or what days and everything looks like. I mean, this is a little oversimplified, but it's just sprinkling in like where appropriate, like strength sessions would fit in, where mobility sessions would fit in with the plan that you already have. Also important to understand like, you know, previous medical history of any uh, injuries, or even you know, maybe not severe injuries, but just some things that are kind of nagging that we want to make sure that we we keep up with as well. Um, you know, generally speaking, I'm I'm an advocate for like we want to make sure we we don't just have like a monotonous training week where it's like every day like we just have it's like kind of this moderate day. Like we want some of our days to be higher and either higher intensity or higher volume. We want other days to be lower, especially when we're talking about what you're saying, like you know, five plus hours of aerobic work a week, and then wanting to add some strength and core and flexibility work on top of that. Um, we need those opportunities to recover. So once we have an understanding of where those different training days look, uh, putting in the the strength, the core, the flexibility to a point where within the week, to where it looks like, okay, well, here's our high days. You know, if we're we're doing a lot of pulling or uh, you know. Yeah, a lot of pulling in the pool, uh, big upper body day. Why don't we go ahead and try to match either that day or uh, we can do one of two things. Sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. If you have a high pull day in the pool, we can do one of two things. We can either keep that day high from an upper body perspective and maybe that's where we put some you know, upper body strength work as well. Um, but make sure that you know, the day, two days subsequent to that, you're getting plenty of opportunity to recover from that because that is kind of a combination of stimulus there between the swim uh, and the strength work. Or if we could do um, a, kind of a, a contrast of training. If we know that we're going to have a big whole day in the pool, then, okay, let's try to put our lower body strength work in there. So it's not as conflicting of uh, stimuli that we're working with for that. Um, but again, and not to kind of have a top round answer, like, I think the biggest thing or the most important thing is just to understand, like, again, what you're used to, what that week looks like, what your work schedule looks like, too. Um, If you're like, if I say, hey, okay, we're going to do this workout on Wednesday, and you're like, well, I can't. I got to do this with my wife, or I'm working on a project until late on those nights. I can't do that. Then, okay, that throws that part of the plan out of the window. So, getting that good general understanding finishing that puzzle by just, you know, again, using the expertise and the experience we have of knowing what's right and what makes the most sense from a training perspective to, to put the rest of that puzzle together.
0: And I guess a follow-up I have to that is it also depends on like what's going on behind the scenes too. You know, we have an extensive process kind of diving into someone's life, but you know, you have a full household of kids at home, you know, are you sleeping well? Are there stressors involved? is there specific any like weight you'd like to lose or is it just building muscle you know is there you know things that we have to manage or work around that are goals as well cuz that can dictate what you're doing on top of that you know it may not be where we're just focusing on that strength side of things it it may be you know doing what you're doing cuz that's the right thing to you know maintain your cortisol levels or whatever that is but are there any of those like side factors that are
1: important for you Mark well i do have a nagging injury uh so Um, I think that's, uh, you know, my, one of my left quad is trying to make sure I can strengthen that and continue to rehab it. And then of course, uh, sleep is always, uh, prime for me. Um, actually, you know, I really didn't realize how much sleep deprivation I was going through until I left coaching. Um, and then, you know, having three young kids, one that's, you know, about a month old, you know, that you reminds you of how much sleep uh continues to be important for me. So, you know, um there's a great Seinfeld skit where uh you know night mark really likes to screw morning mark. And so anything I can do to uh make sure I stay on schedule um where I get to bed early so I can get up because my time to really work out is, is the morning, early morning um or late evening, but mostly mornings is where I try to work out. So finding good regimen having accountability is important and having something to look forward to where i feel like i'm getting progress i think is is important so i think like taking those like logistical considerations are important and understanding like family life time of day that you have available to train uh again like lingering issues like a left quad it sounds like maybe a lot of different uh lower body like partial squat ISOs uh, for very extensive time periods would be in near future to make sure we're strengthening that tendon. But uh, yeah, just getting those logistical considerations, making sure we have a good awareness of like what's feasible for you so that, um, one, we're keeping up with what you have done up until this point that you enjoy doing. And two, that we're, we're, that what we're adding onto that plate is sustainable and enjoyable for you. Well, I am curious more about the origin of Mehoria and I was wondering if you guys could share, you know, what have, what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome to start the business? And I asked that specifically because when I was thinking of questions to ask you, uh, and starting my own business, right. I had to lean heavily on some of the skills I learned as an athlete and, and the, the, the methods I espouse as a coach. So I'm curious to know what you all had pulled on to, to get through uh, building Mehoria to where it is now.
0: It's uh it's been a journey. I think Aaron and I had a very different initial vision of what Mehoria was going to be. Uh, you know, we originally started off thinking, okay, we're going to put out like the best training programs. You know, people are going to jump to buy them because they're the best. Um, You know, we were the, kind of that like just subscription model, you know, just trying to get people to sign up and more people are going to sign up. And I think in both of our minds and a little bit in the back of the mind was like, we still know with this specific model, it can be the best training in the world. And if there's not things to be coupled with that, that's specific to the individual and, and getting them to be accountable for those things and coaching them through their actual struggles, then we're going to have a ton of people that are going to be in, in, subscribed in our programs, but they're not necessarily going to be actually doing those programs or benefiting from them or getting the progress that they want. And that's very like the Planet Fitness model. You know, they want a ton of people signed up. They want a ton of people to bring in revenue, but they don't actually necessarily want people in the gym actively using the space. And you're seeing that a lot right now. It's January, so you see, you know, gym membership surge 30 to 50%. And we could very easily do that, but that's just not going to be the best thing for the individuals that we work with. And we pivoted away from that about a year ago now, um, into doing like the full, you know, coaching, like I said, lifestyle, nutrition, accountability, exercise, diving into their life specifically and finding ways to help them. And that's a very different process and a lot more involved than what we were doing previously. And. We had our meeting, our staff meeting last week and it was my wife, Erin and I, and we were sitting there like, this is so different than what we expected it to be. And thank goodness it is uh, because we'd probably be in the exact same boat we were on day one of starting the business, you know. Um, But it's challenged us a lot because, you know, when you're doing that process, you know, we didn't know anything about sales. We didn't really know how to market properly for this business. Um, you know, we all have our kind of personal brands and followings. Um, but as far as, you know, letting people know, like, Hey, you can trust your health with us was a, was a difficult challenge. It's something I think we're still learning. Um, but it's been a really fun part of the process. I think the part that's made it enjoyable for all of us knowing that like from day one, it wasn't going to be perfect and it wasn't going to be smooth was like our team. There's no one better for us to be doing that with Um, anytime we've like run into a challenge or run into a a problem. And there's been a lot, it's never been about like who's right or who's wrong. It's just been like, okay, what's the best thing to continue to help people and, you know, help us grow the business and kind of do things the right way.
1: Yeah. I'd I'd add to that. It's, it's definitely been a a humbling experience. Uh, Like just to kind of start it out with like, you know, we, I think like oh we can put the best training plan for for anyone uh together then like who wouldn't want that you know uh and that's just not the way the world works and like i think in strength and conditioning we kind of laugh like there's a lot of really really great uh amazing coaches out there and you know there's some that aren't so great but uh there are also ones that aren't that great that hold like really high paying positions because they're really good at just being like the, you know, the, the person and getting the people going and uh, getting people to, to buy into them and their system. And, you know, maybe their training program isn't like the most great or sound, but they'll have people that want to run through brick walls for them because of how they interact. But the other, it could also be flipped. I could have, the world's best training program but if we don't understand the the market or the business of talking to people and getting them to be bought into what that program is and for them to want to do it then we're completely missing the boat so i think the the humbling experience has kind of been trying to marry both sides of that of like getting the people on board with it um, as well as you know building that that good product at the end of the day as well uh, marrying both sides, it as best we can, not just, you know, being a good one-on-one, like life coach type thing, but, uh, being a good coach and a good team for these people while also giving them a really exceptional product from the training and nutrition standpoint as well.
0: I think one of my favorite things that we hear from every single person that might potentially work with us and the ones that probably haven't even reached out to us yet is, you know, they're on the side of like, can I even stick to this or can I even do this? You know, cause they don't even have faith in themselves that they're going to be able to do that part of the process. Um, and our combat to that is we're not going to let you fall behind. We're not going to let you get off track. You know, we're going to build it to you, but that's, that can't be one of the negotiables throughout the process. It's like, yeah, you know, we're going to let them drop off. We're going to let them, you know, not figure things out. And, and that's the challenge we face pretty often with people with, with difficult lives and, you know, just a ton of things going on. It's like, all right, how do we go back to our drawing board and make this actually work for what's going on? Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and there's, and there's just too many things out there that say, well, like, you know, if you can't devote five hours a week to getting an exercise, then like, sorry, you're just not going to be in better health. And it's like, that's not true, you know? And, you know, for some people it's, 3 days a week and it's 20 30 minutes but we're really diving into the you know the nutrition and lifestyle stuff and improving the stress and like that's our job is to find the things that make the biggest difference without having to make the you know biggest effort or difficulty added to their life. So that's the I think that's the fun part of it. That's just been a unique challenge is every single person we work with brings unique challenges that are unique to their life and everything they have going on and and making it fit to that and and not just saying like, yeah, you know, you might drop off in a month and we're not letting that happen, um, which is, which is a lot of fun to kind of see that progress and also see that flip and relief when they're like, oh, hey, like, yeah, this can actually work for me.
1: Mark, I do kind of want to flip that question back to you and maybe get a little insight of, uh, you know, your, your company as well. And I guess, Mark, I do kind of want to flip that question over to you just because I know you're experience and and your company is definitely unique as well and just to get a little bit of insight as to you know what that looks like on your end and kind of you know here maybe growing pains uh from from your side as well just curious sure so i started uh, in sport analytics uh, about two and a half years ago and it was born out of my experience really being a coach and athlete and researcher, so uh, you know, along the way, coaching. I got my doctorate in education, and found a interest in research, and thought there was an opportunity to really help partner with sports leaders to use data to inform their decision making, uh, really in the people analytics space. That's really using information to uh, better serve your people, give them what they need, help them be heard, um, and make strategic decisions to make your sports organization more efficient, have better outcomes, whether it's high performance outcomes or just cultural outcomes. And so we collect data in all different capacities. And I think the challenge was I went in with a certain set of beliefs, uh, probably because I was pretty much narrow minded uh, from being a, a coach in higher education and college athletics. And I really thought my um, marketplace was going to be specifically in higher education. And that really hasn't been been the case. It's been more sports industry broadly, from youth sports to professional sports, Olympic, national governing bodies to conferences. Um, so it's been really all over the place. the The work that we do it actually really rests on the character, interest, and perspective of the leader that we work with. And the key defining factor is their willingness to be self critical of themselves and their organization. If an individual is not willing to be self-critical of themselves, they're really not going to hire us because they're not interested in making themselves or their organization better, really diving in deep into uh, what they may be hesitant to find. And that's not to say that we come into organizations or teams and are looking for the, to lift up the carpet and air out any, any dirty laundry. It's really about trying to uncover, uh, what are some of the systemic challenges that our organizations are experiencing? It could be just poor communication, uh, could be lack of resources. Uh, it could be something that we just don't know and can't define. And what we do is we really try to define a research process to collect the data in meaningful ways. So whether it's, uh, designing questions to use a survey, uh, doing one-on-one interviews, focus groups, or coming into the field and trying to see what's really going on. We collect that data and using our sport experience, academic background, we interpret that data and we provide strategic recommendations, which has turned out to be some of the more fun work that I was really not expecting. Uh, The research I was expecting, but the consulting side has been really interesting uh, to help see through from the data that we find, how can we put that into practice? What can we really make? How do we make meaningful change? Um, And that's been really rewarding being a a confidant and a person to share ideas and and brainstorm how we can help an organization move forward. You know, a good example was we did a high performance assessment with an Olympic team. And uh, what we found was that there were, you know, uh, structural problems. There were some uh, organization communication challenges. So we really had to come up with a comprehensive plan for them to address each uh, issue um, and and think through how they can make change. And uh, the timeline was going to be, you know, wasn't wasn't gonna be able to fix everything in a week. But so sort of thinking through how can we make a plan moving forward and and make real meaningful change. So to go back to your original question here, you know, the challenge was. I thought I was selling one thing. It turned out I was selling something else, um, and and really, it was less about you know we're not really a product company. We're a services and idea company in terms of how can we partner with our clients and try to help them understand what their challenges are, what's keeping them up at night, and can we think about a way to to address those? No, that's awesome, man. I I, I love the idea of you know having that kind of uh, not necessarily self audit, but maybe kind of third party audit uh, system of having someone come in and uh, with knowledge and expertise that you have being able to kind of help that, you know, help problem solve for whether it be the, maybe the more hierarchical or just, you know, more kind of scaffolding structural stuff uh, based with an organization. So um, that's, that's really good. When you say uh, you, you you kind of started off with one thing and maybe evolved into something else. And I know you said like you, you really enjoyed the, the consulting side. What do you think has been, I guess, the maybe the biggest thing or area or aspect of the company that's kind of evolved uh, since you started it, based off of like what your original plan might have been? I'd say the evolution was rather than having a a la carte, I'll say services that I would present to prospective clients it was it's really turned into more important to ask meaningful thoughtful questions understand where they are in their leadership and where their organization is currently and is there a meaningful way for us to partner together to help them be more effective um you know cuz I I work under the assumption that if you're in a sports leadership position You're at the higher education level. It's about having meaningful, positive experiences where you can compete at a high level and also, you know, pair that with a productive, meaningful education outcome. Um, At, you know, the professional level, it's how can you uh, create a really high level organization, high performance organization that's going to produce, you know, uh, outcomes that are, uh, consistent with the best people within your discipline. And so it's really trying to understand what, what are the areas that can be improved and can we access that? Because I also work under the assumption that organizations are primarily made up of really good people, really smart people, but often they're not leveraged in a way that their best ideas are, are bubbling to, to the surface or they really don't have an avenue to... Uh, share productive ideas, or 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 there's not an opportunity to work collaboratively, especially in a hierarchical structure where it's top to bottom structure instead of being a more of a flat organization where everyone can collaborate together. And so we really serve to hopefully connect some of those dots, break some of those barriers, where the best ideas we can bring to the surface for our clients to help them understand oh, we do have really good ideas, but we need to. Uncover those, and we can leverage those, and we'll we'll become. Oh, that's great, that uh, Sounds like something we, you know, Justin and I may have to, to have you come consult with us and figure out what what we can improve on, and make our systems uh, even more fluid and even more helpful. So uh that's that's awesome, man. And, yeah, yeah. We we really appreciate you hopping on here and and chatting with us, and of course asking us a few questions. I'll let us fire a couple back. Yeah, appreciate. It. I did have uh a quick quick fire question for you. Guys. Ooh, okay. So, try to answer these uh one or two sentences. So, first question is uh what are your three non-negotiable behaviors for living a healthy performance life? Some level of discipline. Uh it doesn't mean that you need to be like the David Goggins like I'm going to run 50 miles a day type discipline, but uh, you need to have enough self-discipline where you're not completely relying on external motivation and you can you know, keep whatever plan that you have uh, put in front of you going on your own to some extent. I think it's definitely one for me.
0: I think the most important thing would be to live with intentionality when it comes to your health. You know, As far as whatever you know you need to do, actually just following through on that is probably
1: the most important thing. What advice would you give someone trying to make changes in 2024? I think the advice I'd give them is to, it sounds stupid, but just do it. If you have an inkling that you should or want to make a change, just do it. And that all starts by finding the first step of how to do that, whether that's finding a person, uh, looking into it, doing your own research, But take the first step, regardless if it's a
0: marathon at the end of the day, take that first step. Uh, I think the most important advice would be to not try to change everything that you do all in one go. Uh, You know, take off a little bit at a time and build consistency with that. So pick one or two habits, focus on those, build consistency over time, and then progressively add habits as you feel like you are able to actually maintain the habits that you started with. Uh, You know, consistency beats motivation every single day of the week.
1: All right. Last question. What's your golden rule for achieving a healthy lifestyle? Golden rule for achieving a healthy lifestyle. It's hard to summarize it into like one rule. And I don't want to sound cliche or redundant here, but I think it's to uphold a certain level of self-discipline and to find that self-discipline. If you want to live a healthy lifestyle, there's going to be some sacrifices that you'll have to make. It doesn't mean, like to Justin's point, that it has to be everything all at once, but you need to be able to have some of the effort to you know get that small workout in, make that healthier meal, you know manage your time a little bit better, sleep where you can, whatever it may be, but to have that little bit of self-discipline, uh, I think is the, the golden rule if you want to get to a point in a healthy lifestyle that you want to be at
0: focus on primarily whole foods as much as possible and move every day. I liked it, but that was too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: then whole foods as much as possible. That's it. That's all I got for you. Yeah. Mark, thank you so much for hopping on with this man. Uh, it's, we appreciate not only your time, but, um, you know, having you, you know, ask us a few questions and, give us an opportunity to chat a little bit about the the genesis of mayoria so to speak but also chit chat a little bit with you and kind of learn a little bit about your side as well um yeah it's a it's a privilege to be able to talk with you man and uh thank you so much for for joining us and thank you by or everybody else for for tuning in and we will see you on the next episode